caught on yet and I'm not sure how you couldn't at this point. I love magazine editors. These women are forces, powerful, strong, courageous women that literally shape culture. Today's guest, Atusa Rubenstein, founding editor of Cosmo Girl and former editor-in-chief of Seventeen, literally shaped me as a young girl through her leadership of both magazines. She started her career at Cosmopolitan as a fashion assistant and within five years was senior fashion editor. From there, she was asked to come up with a concept for a new magazine, and Atusa created Cosmo Girl within 48 hours, a magazine that took Cosmo and made it accessible to a younger market. Now, at the time, Atusa was only 26, making her the youngest editor-in-chief in Hearst Magazine's 100-year history. Cosmo Girl was a huge hit, amassing a circulation of 1.25 million readers, including one Rachel Birchfield of Topeka, Kansas. In 2003, Atusa took over at 17, growing the newsstand growth of the magazine 23% by the end of 2005, the same year I graduated from high school and was roughly 17. I grew up with Atusa. She was there for my entire formative period of middle school, high school, and early college. And today I get to chat with her. She is lovely and warm and brave, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. What an honor it is to welcome to the show Atusa Rubenstein, who quite literally shaped my view of what it means to be a powerful woman through her editor-in-chief roles at Cosmo Girl, which she launched, by the way, no big deal, and 17. Now, after a 13 or 14-year hiatus during which we've all grown up, Atusa is back, and boy, is she back, writing content on Atusa Unedited, her must-read substack that I am completely obsessed with. I'm, I'm pretty giddy to have this conversation and to possibly introduce my listeners to this medium if you haven't heard of substack yet. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. It's such an honor to have you here. We're both feeling a little under the weather today, so we're we're blazing through, but it's just it's, it's I feel like it's very of the moment because I yeah, have the COVID. The great COVID. day before of, of December late December 2021 is to be feeling under the weather, but here we are and it's it's so great to be with you. So I've been a fan of yours for a long, long time, like since I was, you know, yay hi to Grasshopper, like little girl. Uh, before we start talking about your fantastic current work, I I'd, I'd love for you to tell my listeners who may not know you about your yeah. career trajectory. I don't know how they wouldn't know you if they grew up. I'm 35. So if they grew up in the uh, late 90s and into the 2000s, from working as a senior fashion editor at Cosmo to founding and becoming editor-in-chief of Cosmo Girl to becoming editor-in-chief of Seventeen. Tell us about your journey. Yeah. So, I mean, like many uh, young girls, I grew up reading magazines. And I loved them, you know, back then there was no internet. So it was really my only portal to the world at large. And my world at home was, I don't know, I guess like all of us, right? We all had our version of limited, (laughs) Um, but I felt like mine was super limited. And um, so the magazines were everything to me. And when I went to college, I was lucky enough to go to school in Manhattan where, you know, most of the publishing companies are. So I started interning at a pretty young age about my junior year in college. And I just worked my tail off. You know, I didn't have, and I don't know if your your listeners know this, but 
the magazine industry traditionally had been very much an industry for sort of very connected people or socialites. And, you know, I was just like a poor kid from Long Island. I had no connections at all. So I knew the only way I could get into this world that I loved so much was by working my ass off. Yep. Um, so I did. I basically worked full time in college. I took my classes at night. Um, and then when I graduated from college, I worked my first job out. Interestingly, I had two job offers. One was at Cosmopolitan. One was at 17. Oh, wow. And, but Cosmo offered it first. And I didn't know that I could say, let me get back to you. I just didn't yeah. know. Um, I was the only, I was the first person, you know, my parents didn't go to college. Like it just, this was new for me. So I just took the Cosmo job and I'm glad I did because had I taken the 17 job, I don't know that I would have had all the opportunities I had, who knows, but you know, within five years I was running, um, I was editor in chief of Cosmo girl. Um, and, uh, then I think it was about five years later, I became editor in chief of 17. So it all came um, around in the end anyway. Uh, yeah, it, it all, it's, I ended up working at both magazines, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, so yeah, so um, it, I think when I became, and I, I know, not I think, I was the youngest editor-in-chief in the history of Hearst magazines. Yep. Um, I was 26 when I, when I started Cosmo Girl. Which is, um, I can barely boil water at 26. I was going to ask you, how how much pressure is that at 26 to be, and, and you said this, but I want to repeat it because it bears repeating. When you became editor-in-chief of Cosmo Girl, you were 26 years old. Most of us are still on our parents' health insurance at that yeah. age. Uh, the youngest editor-in-chief in Hearst Magazine's 100-year history. So yeah, tell us about that. How much? I didn't pressure? feel a lot of pressure. I mean, it's the weirdest thing, you know, I just didn't think about it. And I write about that on the Substack. Yeah. I just was excited about the opportunity and I was very present with what I was doing. There was a moment at which I remember a year after the launch of Cosmo Girl, the reporter asked me, what did you think about the fact for the New York Post? What did you think about the fact that no one thought you could do it? I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> thank goodness what a I didn't know that. <laughs> what no a question idea. yikes it didn't even occur to me that you know that, that I always had this strange base level amount of massive confidence I have no idea where it came from I love I'm it I'm sure it's from my parents I'm sure um you know I certainly didn't have a perfect upbringing but for some reason I had a tremendous amount of confidence even when I never when I maybe didn't deserve to well, let me tell you that I, that's fantastic that that is the case, but you gave confidence to so many young women, including me, like we cannot understate the impact of Cosmo Girl, because my mom was a reader of Cosmo, I would sneak around and read it, but at, at you know, 11, 12, 13, I didn't understand a lot of Cosmo's content, which was probably a good thing. And yeah. <laughs> right and but Cosmo Girl met me where I was and to do the back-to-back editorships of Cosmo Girl and then 17 I really think that you shaped an entire generation of girls and young women oh, including me, yeah. who are who are now women I'm 35 now I, I just I mean I I love to fawn over my guests a little bit because I don't have anybody on this show that I don't adore their work and you really gave a generation the power to be strong courageous 
courageous and bold. So thank you for that. Seriously. Thank you. Well, I think what I connected with you guys about was I really, I never felt entitled to be in that role. You know, like I felt so lucky in every job I had in publishing. I felt like it would be as if you guys got those jobs, you know what I mean? And like, I felt, um, I think I tried to express that it is possible because if it was possible for me, it could certainly be possible for you. And like, look at you now, you know, look at all the awards that you're winning, doing the work that you love, Um, you know, with the right mindset, I feel like we can make anything happen. Um, And certainly I've experienced that. and, And it looks like you have as well. Well, and I, and you know, I'm an outsider too. Not, I mean, I'm not from even from New. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't even know if you know that about me. And so, talk about an outsider infiltrating the magazine, the world of magazines, which it's much easier to do today than it would have been when you were infiltrating from Long Island to Manhattan because, you know, there's Zoom, there's such a digital footprint with all of these magazines that I write for. I couldn't have done this in 20 years ago, but you know, I, I, I wish I had kept all of my cause. First of all, they'd probably be worth a lot of money now, Cosmo girl, (laughs) but, um, but you know, you just, that confidence that you were innately born with or raised with, you really used it to help so many young women like me build their own confidence. And now here we are in 2021. And now I'm reading your brilliant work on this platform called Substack, which honestly I had not heard of before I started because I'm a fan of yours. And so I was following your work. Your Substack is called Atusa Unedited. And so for those that prior to me finding you on Substack that might not know what is Substack and how did you find out about it as a medium to share your work? Substack is incredible. I mean, basically they're a platform that is all about supporting and promoting writers. Um, So it's, you know, essentially a newsletter format. They make it really, really easy. Um, Also it's, my newsletter happens to be free, but if you want to monetize it, it's like super simple to do that. Um, And uh, how I found out about it was, you know, I recently, um, I'm, I'm going through a divorce, but you know, part of the divorce for me has been like a sort of reawakening to my own creativity. And I felt suddenly like, almost like I woke up, like I had been asleep for 13 years or so. And I just like woke up like sleeping beauty. And um, I reached out to a couple of friends of mine who are closer in age to you, who are like you out there, you know, doing big things in media. And I said, what do I do? Like, you know, obviously my medium is basically gone magazines it's not that's at a whole other conversation was. yeah yeah the, yeah the landscape so, of magazines is not at all that's that's not that's not a, a viable option for me and so they said you know what do a substack like that's the next thing and um and I didn't really know much about it but it was super easy to use and um and yeah, it's been just like a really nice way of regathering the tribe, almost like uh, just putting a bird song out. Well, I want to talk about your most recent post, at least as of mm. this chat on December 30th. It's called, Thank You for Breaking My Heart. Aww. Oh, gosh. Oh, I, Atusa, it, it chronicles your breakup with the bear. And in it, mm. you write, my heart is terrifiedly open. And then later, my open heart is what connects me to everything and everyone around me. And you write, finally, you can feel, and I I love quoting 
writers to writers. So um, you write, it's so much easier to hate people that leave you, to draw the line, turn your back and move on. But I continue to sit with gratitude over this love that came and conquered me. This one person who I couldn't commandeer and control to teach me surrender, to learn how to be humble and allow both love and grief to come in and flow freely, to release anger, not just about relationships that don't go the way I want them to, but about a world I can't control, to soften, oof, to soften. Those are your words. That is so beautiful. Mm. I also went through a huge breakup this year, and um, I think you love the bear a little bit more than I love my ex in, in hindsight, like you, you're able to um, look at him as so, as such a teacher in your life. And I appreciate that. Uh, by the way, I saw none other than E. Jean Carroll commented on that post. What? Yeah. That, that's incredible. So she has a wonderful sub stack as well. Yeah. I need to check hers out, but I mean, look, you owe us nothing. You've already given the world Cosmo girl in a refresh 17, but you know, it's so brave to open up in this way, which we thank you for, but, but why open up in this way? Cause that's not your, I mean, all of your posts are incredibly raw to the bone. So mm-hmm. why go this? Cause you can write about anything. We would take anything from you, fashion, beauty, so lifestyle, but you're giving us the depths of your soul. So yeah. why open up in this way? I mean, there's so many people that can give you fashion and beauty and for whatever reason, I have the courage to tell you the parts that are hard. And so that's, you know, I'll always with my reader want to give you the best of what I have and like the, what I think is the most helpful. And I think that, you know, heartbreak um, and some of the darker things and the darker journeys that we have to take are ones that people don't feel comfortable talking about. Um, And So to me, it's just like, that's what a big sister does. You know, like I see my role for my audience as being a big sister and, um, you know, like to sit in community is to share, you know, it's to share what's real and what's hard. Um, And like, I really, I felt that like this particular post, you know, to wake up on Christmas Eve morning and thinking about where, you know, where I was last year and how different it is this year. Um, it just was, um, I don't know, you know, like, I, I think that I hear so many people, all ages, when they have a breakup, you know, they want to think the worst of the person, or they want to just forget them and they want to push it aside. And, and I, I think that there's just another way and how, how can we look at those moments as being teaching moments that, yeah. that can be there for our growth. Yeah. Um, when you, when you yeah. write like that and I've done, I, I prefer to write about other people. I find other people writing about other people much easier because it's difficult to write about the depths of your soul like that. But not only do others get so much from your writing, but I found when I write about transformational things in my life that I learn so much too. And it's yeah. healing for me as well. It's yeah. very cathartic. So it's kind of like you help others, but you also heal in a way within yourself too do you find that as well yeah I mean I think just being in the community is what's yeah. healing for me as well you know a lot of times like when I was sitting there before I wrote this I was really I was really gripped by this feeling you know the feeling was real so yeah of course putting pen to paper 
um, helps a lot. I don't have to publish it, right? Like we all do our own personal writing and we don't necessarily publish it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the publishing piece is what I think creates community. Um, And that, that just feels, I don't know, it just feels good. Well, other topics you've written about include posts like when I had my first affair, why I Mm. really left the magazine industry and we've got to fucking fix the media biz. Amen. Uh, What gaining 60 pounds taught me and the most important thing I've learned. I mean, my gosh, these sound like chapter titles to a possible future book. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm putting this out to the universe. Could it be, Mm -hmm. could it happen? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a wonderful literary agent. You know, one of the problems with me is that I'm not particularly, I'm so focused on the journey and I'm a little less commercially minded. Um, it could be the stage of life I'm at. Um, it could be because I'm going through a divorce and I'm really just trying to be there mostly for my children um, as as um, as consciously and, you know, as present as I can be. Uh, so maybe once the divorce is over, maybe once the children are settled, I, I'll be more commercially oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, I'm really just um, wanting to be in community and sort of regather the tribe. Um, the tribe is assembled and, again. We're back. <laughs> I mean, in a small way, you know, in a small way. Uh, I'm learning. I'm learning. Like I just went on TikTok for the first time last month and that's been <laughs> yep. sort of funny and fun. Um, yeah, I'm just learning. Well, you know, I've always wondered this as a writer, what is more difficult writing or editing? Because I can see how both would be challenging and and you do some editing of others on a Tusa unedited too, but to those listeners who are not journalists, those are two very different jobs. So which do you, which do you prefer? Do you prefer writing or editing or do you like both? You know, I stopped doing, I stopped doing other people's stories on unedited because in truth, I'm good at being um, the edit, like the sort of the top editor, like as I was with the magazines, Mm -hmm. um, where a great writer is being edited by a great editor. And then I come in and I'm like, really just thinking about the, the reader and like, how can we make it the most clear, the most, 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 most. But if you give me like raw data, I just found it wasn't fun for me. I'm not particularly great at it. Um, And it's just not how I liked to work. Uh, Although the stories, we had so many great stories that I wish we could have run, but it just didn't feel right to me. Um, I also don't consider myself a writer, you know? Um, I think all of us, whether we're writers or not, I think can communicate about our own experience uh, and that's what I'm doing. But I don't really think of myself as a writer like Eugene is a, a remarkable writer. Wow. Um, I, when I read her stuff, I'm just floored by her, just her writing. So that's how um, I you. So. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Like, I mean, I think of myself as a conductor. Uh, And ultimately, ultimately, I hope to be back in that position. Like a conductor can go into the woodwinds and pick up a flute and be like, do it a little bit more like this or go and go into the strings and do a little bit on the violin, but not great, but just to express like what it is they want to get more of. Um, That's what I'm really good at. Like I'm good at knowing what my reader wants 
and taking people who are really good at what they do and helping bring out um, something that ultimately will serve our reader best. Um, right now, I'm not in that position right now. I, I, and that's a little bit like what the fuck is happening in the media industry or whatever that post was. Uh-huh. You know, I've got like 70 people who are now, you know, signed up to come do a meeting. Let's see with this variant, the new COVID variant, if we can get together in real life. But, um, but I do feel like that there's this opportunity to create a new form of curated content, um, that is not a magazine, but like, you know, what is the next iteration of the magazine? I don't think we've quite nailed it yet. But we're getting there. We're getting I there. So. And yeah. I think Substack is one way closer to, because the magazine industry is just so, I mean, just so different. It's just not, it's not what it was. And so, but we've yeah. got to evolve. And, um, and I think that this is an amazing platform to do that. And, you know, you wrote that 2021 brought you back to life. How so? Mm-hmm. How so? Oh my gosh. I was like literally dead for almost like 10, 13 years. Uh, I just was asleep. I don't, I don't know how to say it, but being, being, getting divorced, first of all, and sort of um, breaking out of that patterning that I'd gotten stuck into, I think was a big part of it, but also the stupid bear, that goddamn bear, Um, you know, he and I got together, you know, over a year ago and, and that heartbreak brought me back to life. You know, sometimes when you're in a really long relationship, which I was for 26 years, Mm -hmm. you, you get so guarded and armored and, you know, you just stop feeling life in a visceral way. At least that's what happened to me. And um, being sort of freed from that patterning uh, and then sort of being ripped apart by this person, he's not a bad guy. I mean, he's a wonderful guy. A lot of, a lot of our issues really had to do with me, but the point is like it opened me up. And it really did bring me back to life where I can just feel. Um, so it, for me, it happened through love. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel. Concept, isn't it that joy and love can bring us back to life? We know this, but so can pain and heartbreak in their I, own I don't even way. think you can feel joy and love without grief. Yeah. You know, I feel yeah. like the tears of like, I've always felt that the tears of grief are what bring us back to joy. Yeah. And allow us to experience that. It's so simple. Um, like you just cannot have lightness without dark and you cannot have joy without grief. It's, it's just, you can't expect a life of joy without expecting some of the other as well. And I think, you know, some of, some of the major pivotal turning points in my life have come from places of enormous grief and enormous loss and enormous sadness and those those seeds of of that pain have have birthed and bloomed where I am today no question and it hurt like hell right I mean and and I I think we try to avoid them though that's like the funny trick right is that we set ourselves up to avoid like my whole marriage all of those 26 years were with somebody who I knew would never hurt me. But yet 
it felt like I was like swimming in a vat of vanilla. Like there was no, you know, I wasn't hurt, but you have to be hurt. You know, like you just have to experience the gamut, right? The spectrum of emotions. Well, it's when you're in a safe relationship like that, you're just, you're kind of just treading water, you know, you don't get anywhere and you can stay there for a while, but eventually you're either just going to sink to the bottom or you're going to start swimming. And so, and you swam and here we we are and we we're along for the ride. I have to ask you, was, was any one of these entries really the hardest to write? Was there one that was the most raw to the bone? And because they're all very personal, but this last one really kind of was the exclamation point on the whole year of Substacks for me. Mm, thank you. Um, you know, they, once I decided I was going to tell the truth, um, because I think the reason when I was an editor in chief, like, you know, I was molested as a kid. And so incest played a really big role in my life. And when I was an editor-in-chief, despite, you know, being a grown-up and in some ways being on top of the world, I did not feel empowered to share that with my audience because I didn't want to bring, quote-unquote, shame to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't face it with my mom, honestly. Not that she was my molester, but, like, she's the person that I was protecting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I didn't want this to come out about our family, And so that was like a part of why I left was like, I felt like in some ways like a fraud because it was really starting to bubble up inside of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I came back, like I knew I was going to be sharing that. I knew, and in sharing that, I had to show that part one of the consequences of the incest was that I was extremely promiscuous in college, especially, but also I had affairs when I was an editor in chief too. I cheated on my husband for 10 years. And you write about that on the Substack. Yeah, yeah. And so like, there was this one night, there's one entry, I think it's called My Darkest Night, where I had um, been, I had gotten pregnant, I was 19, Mm. and I got an abortion. And that same night I had sex with another guy who, by the way, to this day is one of my best friends. It was just like hotmess.com. You know what I mean? Like if there was like a dictionary picture of like what hot mess looks like, it would have been me at that night. And um, <coughs> yeah, it's, you know, my mom read that. I'm sure, you know, you know what I mean? Like people in my family yeah. read that. Like those aren't the nights we typically share at the dinner table um the, yeah, but no. when my when my kids are bigger they're gonna read that um everybody who knows me that the, the director of my children's nursery school read that um so was it hard it's not hard but it's different you know it's definitely yeah. different it's me sure. getting up in a song in front of like the whole world and just being like look at my ass <laughs> and that's not only it's the only way that we're gonna the the truth is the only way forward like and, and for me for you for anyone who's trying to make a difference out here through our writing it's it, we've spent you know how many years have 
we just scratch the surface and put out beautiful magazines or put out, you know, articles that are just so surfacey. But the, for me in 2022 and beyond as a writer, and I, and obviously you're so there already in 2021, it, the truth is the only way forward and it can be the ugly truth, but it's life. And that's what I want to read. And that's what I want to write. And I feel like even beyond a writer, just as a human being, it's like, how can we all be in community if we're not, you know, expressing our truth? And not everybody has to talk about their abortion or incest or infidelity. Um, but if it's something that is jamming you up, it, it's something that will help you to express it and, and it will help somebody else. You know, like when I was an editor in chief, I would talk about my embarrassing moments, you know, whether it was like I farted in class or whatever. And that made those girls feel better. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure like I was a grown up struggling with having been molested, um, you know, when I was at the quote unquote top of my game. It's yeah. helpful for other people who have had that experience to know that they're not alone. So I think sharing, whether it's in writing or just in friendship, um, in community, I think is it helps us all. Amen. Well, my last question to you, my new friend, is what would you tell a young writer who wants to open themselves up in this way that you've been courageous enough to do? And again, it doesn't have to be... Um, you know, you come out of the gate, your first story with something as personal as an abortion or incest, mm -hmm. but, but even just talking about, like, for me, I'm working on an article right now with Harper's Bazaar about uh, my weight struggles that I've had and that, and I hate writing about myself, but I feel called to do it. And it's an important story. What would you tell, you know, maybe someone 22 years old who maybe wants to start a sub stack about their life? Um, what would you say to that woman right now? I would say just do it. You yeah. know, meet yourself where, first of all, one, one thing that in general helps me a lot is I write morning pages every day. So I don't yeah. know if you or your audience have done you the artist way. what that means? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a program called the artist way. You can buy the book and then so do good. it in a group. Yeah. I had a group of unedited readers and we did it together. It was so awesome. But the part of the artist way that I continue to do in my daily life is every morning, I basically set my alarm 30 minutes earlier and I write three pages long form, just like emptying whatever is the schmutz in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, this last uh, Substack, the column that you liked, that came out of my morning pages, you know, that I just was, you know, the, that morning of December, you know, December 24th, when I woke up and I was so sad, you know, I, I got to that place of gratitude with the bear in my morning pages. So you just like write for three pages straight every single morning longhand yeah. and I just keep that notebook next to my bed and set the alarm um, but I would just say you know forget about the audience I think a lot of times what trips people up is <coughs> excuse me um, worrying that what the audience is going to think just write for yourself and stretch as wide and as deep as you can forgetting that anybody's going to see it except for you yes and just really go there say the thing you don't want to say mm -hmm. um say the thing you're ashamed to say or embarrassed to say or afraid to say and um and then decide 
you don't have to go live with anything, you know, just yes, do it. Be as expansive as you can be. And then the one thing I would say is like, listen, I mean, I wrote about like, I'm like a Shiite Muslim from, you know, from Iran. Okay. And like, I'm sitting here writing about like abortions and like infidelity. I'm like writing about the worst shit you could imagine. And guess what? I'm still standing. Yes. It's okay. you are. Yes, you <laughs> like, are. And I did it for free. You know, it's not even like I'm being paid to do it. It's and that's just, even you know, more incredible, but yeah, exactly. But we just get in our own way. And if we would just get out of the way and just say what we need to say, it's both freeing for us and it's freeing for our, our audience. There's no, it's an invisible fence is my point. It's just an invisible Beautiful. fence. It's not real. Yeah, write, write everything down. And I can't, I, you know, I know all of our listeners are readers. I don't know if all of them are writers, probably not, but everyone can benefit from the artist way. I love it. And, oh, yeah. you know, and, and write it all down and it doesn't mean you have to share it, but it's it, when it gets out of my, out of my head and onto the page, I instantly feel better. It's like, it's like vomiting. Like when you, yeah. when you feel sick and you, and then you get, then you vomit. I mean, I know that's kind of gross, but it, it feels so cathartic and whether you choose to share it or not is, is your choice, but just get it out. Cause the world needs, the world needs realness. The word world needs authenticity and the world needs humanity and in all its forms. And you as ever are so brave and bold i hope you keep opening oh, that you. heart for us and letting us into the beauty that is inside thank you so much for being here today you're so beautiful thank you for your kindness really it means the world to me thank you since we recorded this episode on december 30th atusa has dropped another Substack appropriately titled fuck new year's resolutions so go check it out immediately i have two great books i've read recently i want to offer up by this point gabrielle bernstein is synonymous with guru she's written nine books has a podcast called dear gabby and was named a next generation thought leader by none other than Oprah. But her latest book, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace, which is going deep even for Gabby. All of Gabby's books make me think, but this one taught me to embrace my suffering, what big T and small T trauma is, and how what makes us uncomfortable in life reveals to us what we need to heal. Happy Days is out February 22nd. Another woman I love is my fellow Southerner, Mallory Irvin, whose podcast, Living Fully, I'm Addicted To. And she's written a book by the same name, Living Fully, out February 8th. She writes that living fully is a practice, a constant way of life. To live a life is a gift we are given, she writes. To live a full life is a gift we give ourselves. Yes. So here are some other quotables from the book. It's amazing how much better we feel when we direct our energy into actually living our lives rather than escaping them. And on the life we want, what does that life look like? Envision the life you want down to the specifics. Give yourself permission to dream big. This is the most important invitation you have ever received. Then on not getting what we want, we can consider ourselves lucky that we were spared from having to spend one more day of our lives on that wrong path. Sometimes what feels like rejection 
is really just redirection. And finally, this is your one life. Do not leave it unlived. Instead, aim to hit it out of the park, curveballs and all. Y'all, I love books and I'm glad you do too. We have got so many more great conversations to come this season and I can't wait to share them all with you. Have a great week.